Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, when we understand who you are and we understand who we are, then our life reflects that, or our life should reflect that. Our life should be a life that when people see us, they see you. Our lives should show our great love for you because we know that it shows your great love for us. Even though sometimes we may not feel it or we may not see it, we know that your love is always there for us. So God, as we continue in this series, we pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So I wanted to start out with a quick little Father's Day story that kind of ties in with what we're talking about today. When I was in junior high, I, I got my first job. And, and basically, that, that's kind of saying like I actually earned it. I didn't earn it. My dad said, you need to make some money, and here's an easy way for you to do it. You can uh, grab our lawnmower, and you can go around, and you can mow lawns. So I, I had about five or six different lawns over the summer that, that I would mow in junior high. But before, before Dad let me mow, he wanted to make sure I did it correctly. So I, I would go out to our yard, and, and I would watch my dad mow, and then he would, he would let me put my hands on the mower. And we had one of those fun self-propelled lawnmowers that had the little, little bar, and then you push it, and it would just take off. And so you had to be ready for, for that movement and everything. Plus, you also, because of my dad, and, and he wanted to make sure the lawn looked good, you had to make sure the lines were nice and straight. As, exactly. And when you had those self-propelled mowers, sometimes it would just kind of jerk or something like that. You had to be on it perfectly. So, so Dad would show me how to mow, and I, and I mowed our lawn over and over again. And I think I know now Dad just didn't want to mow anymore, so he wanted me to do it. <laughs> but, then, but then I remember Dad would always, uh, we would load up, uh, break down the lawnmower, bring the, the arms down, and, and we would lift it up and stick it in the dad, back of my dad's LTD Ford. And he would drive me over to wherever, whoever's lawn I was supposed to mow. And then he would unload it. He would go somewhere, go home or whatever. And then he would come back in about 30 minutes, and he would inspect my work. And, you know, and I, I, that's how I would get paid to do all these lawns. We had an opt ophthalmologist uh, in town that we were really good friends with that hired me to mow his lawn. And he had the biggest backyard. It was, it was huge. And, and I loved mowing in that backyard until Dad saw what I was actually doing in the backyard and then didn't really like it anymore. I, I, I love the different patterns that you can put in a yard. You know, uh, you, can do, you can do the crossways one, you can do the lines back and forth, you can do the box type of thing. Well, I thought, wouldn't it be fun 
instead of mowing the backyard in one specific way that I cut little sections out of the backyard and each little section I would do a different design. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it looked amazing until my dad walked around and he said, what in the world are you doing? You don't do that to a yard. You, you keep it steady and clear the entire way through it. He, he was embarrassed because he did not want this doctor to see the mess I made of his backyard. I, I don't think he had a party or anything going on. But, but I share that story because I knew that I was basically my dad's apprentice. My, my dad was showing me what it was that, that I needed to do, and, and I had to make the choice. Would I follow with what my dad was telling me to do, or am I going to do my own thing? Today, we have been talking about what it means to be a disciple. And, and, and we talked already about that sometimes you want to move quickly into the actual what a disciple does. But we have to remember, first and foremost, what is a disciple? Remember, we talked about a disciple understands who God is, understands the, the relationship and the nature of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and that, that community of love that, that gives us an example that works together so we work together with God to share his love and grace with others. And then last week, we talked about understanding who, who we are. Who, who we are in the midst of this thing that we call life. And, and I shared with you one of my favorite quotes, uh, m recent quotes that I learned. You are a never-ceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. I tell you, if you want a powerful, packed statement of who we are, that's it right there. We're not just a, a lump of clay or a lump of dirt that just kind of just haphazardly formed together. No, we are a never-ceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. God has a plan for each and every one of us, and God's desire is for us to live out that plan, live in the fullness of God's love and God's grace and God's mercy, and then to share that love and grace and mercy with him. Once we understand who we are, then we have the opportunity to start to understand exactly what, is, what do we do as a disciple. And I think the easiest way to say what we do as a disciple is that we just do what he says. We do, <laughs> we do what Jesus says. That's a simple phrase, isn't it? That's a simple term, but sometimes it's one of the hardest things that we have to do. You know, the disciples didn't get it all the way. You know, if we take a look at the section of kind of where our scripture is from the day, from John chapter 14 to John chapter 17, that's kind of considered the disciples' commencement address, if you will. Because Jesus is giving them these final teachings before John 18 comes along and Jesus is arrested and taken to be crucified. As Jesus is teaching his disciples, they, they start asking questions and they start wondering and, and hesitating and seeing exactly what it is that God is talking about. The very first one is the one that I think is most famous to all of us. It's uh, Thomas. 
Thomas whenever he um, is uh, talking to Jesus and Jesus is, is sharing with them in chapter 5, Thomas looks at Jesus and says, look, we don't know the way. And that's when John 14, chapter 6, we hear Jesus reminds us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And it doesn't take that much longer for another question to pop up. In John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip says to uh, Jesus to, to show us the Father. Sh show us who the Father is. And Jesus looks at him and smiles and says, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you, you know who the Father is. You know about his love. You know about his grace. You know about his mercy. And, and when you see me, you see the Father. And then the last one, which is probably the most unfamiliar one to us, uh, Judas, who is the son of James, or in Mark, he's named Thaddeus. He's not, Simon, he's not Judas Iscariot who betrayed Jesus. He's another disciple named, named Judas. But in verse 22, he says, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Why are you spending your time telling this all to us and not, not just showing it broadly for the whole world to see? Well, the answer, I believe, comes with Jesus shares later. He says that when I do that, in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then in 14, 21, says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. See, that's why Jesus didn't fully just come out and show, this is who I am. He wants people to know God through those who follow his commands, those who do what Jesus calls them to do. It's funny, that word command. That, that, that word command means that, that you, you, it is something that is told. It is something that is lived out. It, it's the same word in Greek that the, the Pentateuch says is the word that is used for the Ten Commandments. That word command is the same word that last week when we talked about the Shema in Matthew 22, when there, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying that the commands that I give you are as important as those commands. And they should be important because they are commands that are given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But, you know, being a disciple and doing what he says has a lot more to do than with just listening. It is about doing. It, it is about following and, and doing what it is that Jesus has called us to do. The, the Greek word for disciple is methestos, which means learner. A disciple is a lifetime learner. You, you don't pick up everything and know exactly what it is immediately. You have to continue to learn. I think another way to think about this is, is the term that is uh, apprentice. And I love that term, apprentice. Unfortunately, I think a TV show has made it kind of a joke here or there. But, but when we take a look at the biblical story and, and what was happening back at the time of G Jesus, the apprentice was extremely important. 
Just like that story I shared with my dad about helping me to learn how to mow a yard, I was my dad's apprentice on how to do that. If I, if I really wanted to follow what my dad would do, I wouldn't be a pastor right now, I would be an accountant. And Tracy could tell you right now, man, that would be a mess, me with money and counting and all that type of stuff. That would just be horrible. But see, in the life of Jesus, the apprenticeship was a very important part. When boys would learn uh, about the Torah, that they would move through a, a step of, of how to, to advance in the knowledge of the Torah, and then they would have a test that they would have to, to, to take in order to see if they could move on to study more about the Torah. Most of them would, would fail that test, and then they would have to go and find a job for them to do in order to support their families. We see that in a lot of the disciples that Jesus had. If you look at Peter, James, John, and Andrew. They were fishermen, and they were apprenticed to their fathers to learn exactly what it was and how to fish. All of these ways were for them to understand, but then Jesus came to them and said, you will be my disciples. They, they weren't out looking for Jesus. They, they, they weren't out trying to, to see how they could be part of his club or be a part of what Jesus was doing. They, were, they came and Jesus walked up to them and said, come and follow me. And I think when Jesus said, come and follow me, that started a, a lifetime learning for them, even though Jesus was only with them for three years. But they knew that it started a cycle where they had to learn and do what Jesus told them to do. One of the stories that, that comes to mind about how this apprenticeship works is the story of Peter walking on the water. If you're familiar with the story, the disciples were, were sent across the Sea of Galilee, and, and Jesus stayed behind. And, and as they were going across the Sea of Galilee, where storms could come up really quickly, they, they notice this, this figure walking on the water, and they think it's a ghost, and they realize that it's Jesus. And as Jesus is walking closer to them, they, they cry out to him, Lord, help us. And then in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29, Jesus says one word to the disciples. He says, come out onto the water. That's my adding, but he only said, come to them. And then Peter slowly steps out into the water and starts to walk towards his master. See, that is following a command. It, during the turbulence and during the, the wild nature of, of the world or, or the water around you, Peter goes and he steps out because his master says, Come, come and be out in the water with me. Come and walk with me. Where was it that Peter started to falter? It was when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. When Peter started to think about all the stuff that is happening around him, that is when he started to falter. And Jesus picks him up out of the water and he says, Oh, you of little faith. And it's funny, we, we, we kind of take that OU of little faith and we look at that as a negative term, but, but it isn't a negative term. 
When Jesus is saying, oh, you have little faith, he is reminding them of the saying and the teaching that he says that if you have the faith of the size of a mustard seed, you can take a mountain and you can throw it into the sea. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can do amazing things because of your faith in who I am. So Peter followed that example and came as his master told him to come. But there's another important aspect of what a disciple does when he do, does what he says. We see this twice in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 11. We actually prayed this prayer not too long ago. It's the Lord's Prayer. The disciples said, how do you pray, Lord? Teach us how to pray. And Jesus gave them these words that have lasted for thousands of years that we continue to pray today. And when we pray that prayer, we open ourselves up to what, what God has for us. And we live in the promises that God has given us. I think one of the biggest dangers we have in the Western world is that I believe that there are times that we think we know it all. We have it all figured out. And, and that's one of the dangerous things about, about how we take a look at Scripture. We, we take a look at Scripture and we go, God, I, I've read through the Gospels many, many times where I've heard all of these stories. I don't know exactly what I, I want to read it over and over again, but God continues to want to talk to you through God's Word. God wants to continue to teach you so that we can then do what God calls us to do. But the greatest command that Jesus has told us to do comes from our scripture today. Our scripture is from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. I'll have the words on the screen for you to follow along if you don't have your Bibles with you this morning. Jesus is continuing in this commencement address, if you will, to his disciples. And he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so that wherever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, with this particular passage, there, there is a long, long list of things that I could, I could uh, talk about. But I wanted to share really just two important aspects of what I see about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. The first one is that Jesus calls us to a life of joy. 
Jesus calls us to a life of joy. But you may say, Pastor Chris, the world is a rough place. The world is, is, is a sad place. There, there is a lot of division in this world right now. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of agonies. And I would say, yeah, absolutely there is a lot of pain and agony and division and, and hurt in the world around us. But see, Jesus calls us to a life of joy to realize that, that in the midst of all the pain and the agony and the division and, and everything that is happening in the world around us, when we get like Peter and we start to look at the storms around us, of course we're going to get upset. Of course we're going to get worried. Of course we're going to wonder exactly how we're going to be able to make one step after another. But see, Jesus tells his disciples to not let the joy of the world reign in your hearts and minds, but he says, let my joy be complete in you. Let, let the joy that I have be the one that you anchor to. Let the joy that I have be the joy that you hold on to while trials happen in your life. It is allowing the joy of the Lord to be your strength. It is allowing, as uh, the theologian Barclay would say, that Christ offers an intimacy with God that not even the greatest men and women knew before he came into the world. That this joy, this intimacy with God can only be experienced when we live in that life of joy. To have that peace that passes all understanding. To be rooted in in Jesus. The other thing that I wanted to lift up quickly about this passage is that Jesus calls us friends. See, for the longest time, the, the relationship between apprentice and master is more of a master and slave a, a thing. There, there, there really isn't a lot of connection that goes between them. But Jesus takes this a step further and says, you know what? If you do what I command, you are no longer just a, a, a slave or you're no longer just an apprentice. You are my friend. And because you are my friend, you are going to do greater things than I have ever done because you've listened to me and you've done what I've asked you to do. I think about the friendships in my life and I'm thankful for every single friendship that I have. But as I was thinking about them, I realized on my part, I'll make sure I, I clarify that when I say this, that there are times that I don't treat my friends as friends. There are times that I treat my friends as, oh, I guess I'd better go over there and do something over there and then quickly get that over with so I can get back home. See, that's not the friendship that Jesus is talking about. The friendship that, that Jesus is talking about is a friendship that bears fruit. It, it's, a, it's a friendship that that thrives. It is a, a friendship that, that takes us and has us take a look at the freedoms that we have and realize that the freedoms that we have aren't just so that we can hold on to them and, 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 and relish them and, and keep them for ourselves. But that freedom is 
to go out and serve others. That freedom is to go and share Christ's love in an amazing way so that others may come to Christ's light and live in his kingdom. So how do we do that? How do we live into Christ's light? Well, we do it by doing what Christ tells us to do. And next week, we will continue to talk and finish up our series by finishing up what it means to bear fruit when we talk about worship, when we talk about serving, and when we talk about growing in our faith. Let us pray. Oh, God, you have blessed us with your word. And, Lord, sometimes... We want to be stubborn, and we don't want to do what you tell us to do. We want to make life comfortable for us. We want to uh, extend what we have so that we can possibly get more. But, Lord, when we do that, we see that the waves around us start to rock, and we start to get uneasy, and we start to lose focus on who you are. God, help us to be like Peter walking on the water and paint our eyes on you. And knowing that even when we stumble and we fall, your hand will always be there, ready to pull us up out of the pit. And Lord, help us to continue to pray the prayer that you taught us. Help us to remember of your grace, of your love, of your power, and how you have called us to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And God, the only way we are able to do that is by listening to your commands and doing what you call us to do. And so we pray this prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.